Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by Max Keen and Jonathan Krauss. And today, in today's episode, we have yet another special guest for you guys today. And this guy uh, has played a very special role in the lives of all three of us, Max, Jonathan, and myself. Uh, you might have remembered that we told you guys about this this program that we did uh, called Battalion, where we we met with a, a group of guys at our church, and we we really went through you know discipleship and just different experiences with these guys. We went on camping trips and everything, and it was just it was a great experience overall. And uh, Mr. Brian Eisentrout, who is our guest on today's episode, he was heavily involved in that battalion experience at our church, and then he went on to become the director of one of our favorite camps, Camp Hemlock in uh, West Virginia. So. Uh, I'll let him tell you more about that as the episode goes on, but I'm just excited to get into this and uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Brian. Ah, oh, thanks so much, Christian. Uh, it's great to be with you and Max and Jonathan, and uh, we we miss you here in Maryland. I hope you're loving life there in Guam, um, but but we miss you guys. Actually, I miss all you guys because you you've gotten older now and you've you've moved on in life and you're in college and everything, and miss you on Thursday nights. I know. I feel so old now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely miss Battalion. I'm really hoping to go back. I know, at least for me, at the end of this um, upcoming semester, we're going to be coming back a little early. So um, hopefully I can stop by a few times. I'll definitely look forward to that. Um, but it's great to have you here. Um, usually we start things off with a quick testimony or maybe long depending on how um how god has used you and um things you want to share so if you just want to share a little bit of your testimony that would be awesome yeah yeah thanks um both of my parents became christians when they were in college uh university of maryland in, in campus crusade so i had the privilege of growing up in a christian home um and i, I accepted jesus when i was a kid so you know on the one hand i i don't have that exciting testimony of like uh you know being a drug addict that god pulls me away from but on the other hand i actually have this greater testimony uh, of god's grace um on my life i feel like i am uh, one of the most fortunate uh, people. Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and went to church all the time. Same church you guys went to growing up. I went to Forsey. And um, it was it, like a lot of people, I, I kind of led two lives. Um, there was church on Sunday, then the Bible went on the shelf, and it was just being like everybody else. Um, a, a real turning point for me, I was, uh, I was probably 12 years old, and um, I was a camper at Camp Hemlock where um, ironically, all these years later, I became the director and, uh, I was, I was doing this, uh, this program there. And, and part of it, you had to do this, like, uh, this Bible study kind of thing. And you had to like answer questions to get signed off by your leader. And, and one of the questions was, you know, describe your Christian life. And I wrote how it's, you know, it's kind of good. It's kind of not so good. And, um, it, it was it was an honest answer for me at the time, and, and I handed it off to the guy to sign off, and he looked at it, and he was like super serious, super serious guy, and he looked at me, and he like squinted his eyes, and he quoted Revelation 3.15 at me, which is, um, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
And he was, he looked at me and he like pointed and said, you keep living that life and God's going to spit you out of his mouth. And it was, you know, there's that, what's, what's that Bible verse about how like uh, God's word uh, cuts you to the, cuts you to the core, right? Like, like the, like hearing God's word, like it cut me. And I was like, he is kind of harsh, but he's being really truthful in, in what he's saying. And, and it was a real turning point for me. And um, I went back after that summer and I really got involved in Christian Service Brigade in, in the battalion program um, that you guys eventually joined as well. Um, and, and I was just really fortunate in that, that I had, I had so many Christian mentors, male mentors along the way. I mean, Mark and Gary and James and Pete. And then when I went off to college, I had Christian roommates, Eric and Tony and John and Bob and uh, all these guys who were constantly being a mentor um, into, into my life. Um, a couple other big turning points for me. When I, when I was 15, I was, I was back at the camp and I, I went through their, their SALT program, which was like their leadership training, counselor and training kind of thing. And I was on staff and that was just huge for me in, in developing a Christian identity and, and some leadership and, and some independence, you know, being away from home. And um, when I went off to, to college, I went to the University of Maryland and I got involved in InterVarsity. Um, and I went to the InterVarsity camp and uh, like we studied the book of Mark, actually only the first eight chapters of the book of Mark for like hours a day. And it was like the first time that like I really dug deep into scripture to understand it. Um, you know, over the over the years after that, um, I got married, uh, married a godly woman. You know, I'll t- you guys are young guys. Like, there's a lot of cute girls out there, but if you can find yourself a godly woman, I mean, I lucked out. I have a beautiful wife, and she's godly. Um, so I, I got the whole package there. Uh, I've been very blessed with that. Um, we've married 23 years. I have a daughter who's 18, who's going off to Grove City College uh, in a couple weeks. I have a son who's 16. He's going to be a junior in high school, and. Um, for, for my career, I've, I've taught for the last, I've taught a uh, fourth and fifth grade for the last uh, 23 years. Um, you know, when I think about, uh, about my life, like there's, there's like, you know, your young life, but then you get to an adult and you think that you figure things out, but you don't. And, and I really struggled with wanting to do things my own way and feeling like I was good enough because I led a moral life. Um, but, but yet, like I still lived in, in fear and, 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 you know, full of insecurity. Um, pro- probably the, the biggest growth in my life has, has honestly, it's been in the last three years. Um, I was, we, we were going through a pastoral search, uh, at, at our church and I was part of that. And so we had to listen to all these sermons from all these prospective pastors. And it was actually the guy we didn't hire. Um, who, so, so pastor Tim, if you ever listen to this, you're great. I love you. But although it was the other guy who was really impactful to me. <laughs> And he gave this sermon about being all in for God and it just like cut me. And like, I began like getting up early and praying and, um, you know, really being dedicated in, in, uh, in Bible reading and spending my mornings with God. And it just kind of, kind of really changed things for me. And right around that time, I started getting the call to go into Christian ministry, um, with Camp Helmlock being the director there. And, and that pretty much brings us to today. Um, full of very blessed, full of God's grace and, um, got a lot of problems too. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And it's, so I was actually reading, um, I love hearing testimonies about like people that grew up in a Christian home and then, uh, like they kind of led the double life. Cause like so many Christians live that sort of life. Um, and the reason that I kind of like hearing testimonies like that is because I was, or honestly, I, f- I can relate to it so much. And I was reading a, a devotional book, 
this was only this was probably last week I was reading this devotional book, and I always felt like uh, because of my testimony being so ordinary and just so like just so plain and you know very I grew up in a Christian home, fell away a little bit, and then came back and or somebody. Uh, uh, you know, said something to me and it clicked something in my heart or whatever. And, it, and it's just such an ordinary and plain testimony for a Christian. And so I've, I've never really wanted to use my testimony in, in like when I talk to people and everything. But then I read in this devotion that the real reason, or the, let me say it this way, to be on fire for God doesn't mean that you're experiencing super spiritual situations all the time. But to be on fire for God means that in the ordinary every day, you are showing his grace in every part of your life. And the more ordinary you are, the more plain you are, the more that God's grace and power can show through you. And that was, I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And now hearing your testimony too, it like, I always think about it now when I hear testimonies like this, it's like, wow, this is like God's grace just shows so much in, in people's lives. And so that kind of brings me to this next question. Uh, we really want to get into sort of what that call looked like for you to, to go into being a director of Camp Hemlock. Cause that is like, that's kind of a big thing because Camp Hemlock was a huge step in our spiritual journey. I know for me, I know for Max, um, I know for Christian as well. And a lot of other of our, of our friends who were part of the battalion program, um, Camp Hemlock was definitely a big part of that. And we have some amazing memories and, and fun times that we had there as well as spiritual times there as well. Uh, so before we get into how you sort of became director, can you just give a, just a little synopsis of the mission of Camp Hemlock, like what it's all about, like what Camp Hemlock is? Um, we haven't even said the real name, but it's Camp Hemlock Wilderness Brigade Camp. Uh, so I guess that's, that's one tidbit of information, but just anything you can to give the audience more insight into what Camp Hemlock is. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, before I get to that, like going back to what you were just saying, um, I mean, and, and I, this is what I feel too, that, uh, the, the, the people who've got the testimony of like the, the exciting conversion, like it's just, it's just sexy and it's exciting. And, and, and what, what your testimony and my testimony, it, it's not, doesn't have that same pizzazz to it, but our testimonies are a testimony to the victory of the church, right? That, that, that growing up, that, that we got to be surrounded by the church and by all these believers who were able to steer us away from uh, all these pitfalls. Because one thing I've, I've found in, in getting older and talking to these people who've had um, these great testimonies is that they don't wish that testimony on anybody. They don't wish that former life, whether it be, you know, they were in drugs or they were sleeping around with everybody. They don't want that for their, their children or for their friends because there's so much pain, uh, that, 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 that you carry with that. Um, so, so, you know, they would look at us and, and they're envious of us for our boring testimony because it's all about, um, the victory of the church and God's grace in our lives. And, and, and I loved how you talked in what you were just saying before about just the, the ordinary, because, because life is, life is ordinary. You know, you, there's just ordinary things that go along in it. And, and God uses all of those ordinary moments. And then all of a sudden you look back at it and you're like, wow, some really extraordinary things happened out of just walking along and, and, and leading, 
and following God's leading as he tells us one thing after another, after another, we're supposed to do. Um, so I just wanted to follow up on what you were saying with that because I thought you said some good stuff there. Uh, but but getting back to what you actually asked me to talk about. Um, so yeah, so Camp Hemlock, we are a uh, we're an outdoor adventure camp, a Christian outdoor adventure camp. We're in um, in West Virginia, about an uh, hour and a half to, to two and a half hours, depending on, on the, the part there outside of the Baltimore, Washington, and Annapolis um, uh, region. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a camp that we value, um, using God's outdoors to, uh, teach, um, the word of God, like heavy on the word of God there, uh, through adventure, like adventure is the hook of what we do. Um, you know, because, uh, the Christian faith is, is certainly adventure, right? There's, there's, there's always risks involved. And so when you can get a, a physical activity, whether that be, doing some rock climbing or using a rope and going, doing rappelling or going down the zip line. Like you're, you're facing adventure and you're facing risk and you're facing fear. And then that gives us the opportunity to tie God's word into that and to, to teach the campers um, from scripture, uh, usually by the, the, the teenage and collegiate uh, counselors. And then also by the, the, the adult counselors who are there as well. You know, what does God's word say about uh, about about risk and, and adventure because because faith involves um, risk. Uh, our, our camp is also real big on um, on relationships, on on the people that are there, making lifelong friendships, coming back, being a place where where you can belong. And I think that then the final uh, core value we have is um, service. Uh, take, taking people and giving them opportunities to serve, whether it, it be here at the camp and then learning how to do that, how to be a, a servant leader, and then taking that home where they can serve in their home and in their church and then in their community as they go forward in life. Yeah, I'm with Jonathan that going to Camp Hemlock just during my time in battalion and during my, like being able to go with all my friends and and explore God's wilderness. That was That was honestly the first time that I had ever explored the outdoors like that because growing up I was, I was um, in a family that usually just hung out indoors, you know, air conditioning type family, but I had never had the opportunity to go out and to go rock climbing and to go kayaking and to do all these different things. And so once I went there, I, it just opened my eyes to this, this whole new world of God's beauty and his creation. And it's, it's really an amazing, an amazing outreach uh, at Camp Hemlock for young boys and girls to come and to see God's outdoors and to explore it. And to grow closer to God in that that um, intimate setting where you get to you know go outdoors and be alone and just spend time spend personal time with God learn from Him and hear from Him and that's one of the things that that you were actually telling us about uh, before the show was that your journey to Camp Hemlock um, I'm assuming both as a child as a student and as a director now um, has been a, a large part of that has been hearing God's voice throughout that journey so. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about how you've heard God's voice throughout your, your journey, uh, with Camp Hemlock and what that has meant to you and how that has really impacted you, uh, for the gospel? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to Camp Hemlock as a kid and then I was on the staff there and, uh, then, you know, you get that, that awesome experience in college of being in Christian community and then you launch off into adulthood. And, and I, I feel like there was a, a gap there. I, I, I wouldn't say I walked away from my faith, but it was a time in which my, uh, I, I struggled, uh, because I was, you know, so, so caught up in, um, uh, wanting to do things, things my way and, um, 
feeling like like what I was doing was good enough. And um, you know, as I as I entered into to, to my thirties, um, I was uh, uh, I was actually I was sitting in church, and uh, Max, you'd find this interesting. It was your is it your uncle? Is is Bill Little? He's the music guy, right? Yeah, he's my uncle. Yeah. So so we're so our church had Max's uncle uh, come and do like a concert, like him and his family, they do these traveling concerts and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I'd heard, uh, I'd heard them before uh, growing up at, at four, at 4C and I'm just kind of sitting there. And, and while I'm sitting there in the middle of this concert, I, I, I won't say I heard the voice of God, but this thought keeps penetrating into my mind that I need to start a, a Bible study at work. And I'm like, this doesn't have anything to do with what he's singing about. doesn't have anything to do about anything. Like, where is this thought coming from? Because I do not want to start a Bible study at work. I, I work in a public school. I don't want to, um, you know, that's not, that's not really what you do with, with the staff, but, but God kept putting, putting that in my heart. And, um, you know, as I, as I think about when, when you're hearing God's calling, like God's calling your life, it, it usually has three parts to it, right? It, it's in line with scripture. Right. Yeah. God wants us to study God's you know, study scripture. So that that made sense. Um, it probably isn't what you would have chosen. And I can say that's true. I would not have chosen to start a Bible study amongst my coworkers. Um, and, and thirdly, it's going to cost something. Um, it's like as I was sitting there and I'm just processing, like, God wants me to do this. Um, it was like I was going to have to come out of the, the shadows because I was like, you know, living like the nice guy, like st- almost like stealth Christian life. Like the, maybe they'll notice through my actions that I'm a Christian, but I'm not actually going to talk about it kind of, kind of a life. Um, but if I like start publicizing to the staff that I want to start a Bible study, like they're going to, they're going to know that, um, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jesus freak. And, and that, that, that old DC talk song, Jesus freak, like I'm, I started listening to that a little bit and I'm like, Oh man, everyone's going to think I'm, I'm like crazy and everything, but, but God wants me to do it. So, um, so I, I, I wrote up the email and it was like one of the most terrifying things. I look back on it now and I laugh. Cause like, it's, it's so like at this point in my life, it's so ridiculous that I was so caught up in that. But at that moment, it was a big deal for me to put out to the staff that I want to start up a Bible study. And we're going to meet in my room before school at, at 7.30 and come on out. And um, but, but I think that's sometimes how God, God speaks to you when you're, uh, you know, you're sitting there and, and it could just be in a church service. You could be listening to music and, and this, this, this thought comes into your mind and, if it's in line with scripture and it's probably not what you would have chosen to do and it's going to cost you something, it's a good indication that that might be something from God. Um, so that was kind of one of those first times in which uh, I heard God's, God's calling on me. And, and that was huge for me, like pulling me out of the, the shadows into, um, into being uh, more open w- with my faith uh, among other people. A um, couple, couple years later, uh, we had one of these... Uh, short-term mission presentations. They were like recruiting, uh, to get like a missions trip going. And, um, the, all of a sudden, like the, you hear this like motorcycle rev and this Harley comes driving into our church. And they were talking about how they were going to go to Madagascar and they were going to get motorcycles. And we were going to, we were going to ride motorcycles around Madagascar and we're going to go to these remote villages and we're going to show the Jesus film. And I was thinking, I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Um, 
I mean, I, they sound really cool, but you know, people like get really hurt on them too. <laughs> and Africa, I don't know if that's really the place for a pale white boy like myself. Um, but I felt like God was calling me to, to go there. And so I went home and I was like, Beth, I think I'm supposed to go to Madagascar. And she was convinced I was going to, I was going to die while we were there. Um, but, uh, but that whole experience, again, like God telling me to do something, it's, I, I, it was going to cost me something. It was in, you know, it's in line with scripture, go preach the word. And, uh, I wouldn't have chosen that on my own. Um, but it really helped me kind of overcome some insecurities I had. One of which is, and you guys have done short-term missions and you know, you got to like raise support for it. And that's, that's like a, that's an intimidating process. So this whole idea of like having to raise support and let people know what you're doing. And, and yet all, all of a sudden these checks start coming in from people I wouldn't have expected. And, um, that, that was huge. And, you know, while we were there, like I, 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 growing up in the church, I knew the the plan of salvation, but I wasn't really good at like presenting it. And so we learned a lot about how to present the the gospel to people. We did the, like, we, we really focused on the, the colors, the, you know, gold, black, red, white, green thing to present the gospel. And, um, we're out there and, and we're in this like third world country and, um, and the guy says, all right, who, who wants to, to present the gospel to these people? And I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to. <laughs> so somebody else did instead. And then I was like, I felt convicted. I was like, God, God didn't send me here to stand on the sidelines. God sent me here to, 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 to tell what he had taught me over an entire lifetime of God's grace growing up in a Christian home. So we get to this next spot and it's like this the, the first, okay, first, the first spot had like 10 people in it. The second spot we get to has like 50 people in this like marketplace. And they did a couple of like, like skits and stuff like the, the Malagasy language and stuff. And then they're like, all right, who's going to, who's going to preach this time? I'm like, I will. And so I got up there and I just started talking to this whole crowd of people and I get to the end of it and I'm like, oh, all right, I obeyed God. And uh, next, then the guy who's who can, who can speak Malagas, he talks talking a little bit louder, and he's like, "Who's accepted Jesus because of this?" Like all these hands go up. Like I can't believe this. Like God used me to, to 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 call people into His kingdom. Like it was, um, it, it was just just a huge experience. So, um, and those are some of the early things that that uh, hearing God's call pulling me in, into into thinking a little bit more about ministry. Man, that is. That's really exciting to hear. I mean, I know, I I know that fear that goes into um, that goes into doing ministry and that goes into telling people um, about Jesus and um, raising support for missions. I mean, those can be some scary things. And even now, I you know, I look back and I remember a time over these past few weeks that I've been back at work at Chick Fil A and. Um, there was one opportunity that, you know, I kind of shared a little bit about my faith in, but like looking back, I just, I could have done so much more with it. Um, and I think fear is kind of what got me in that moment. But, um, you know, you said a lot of it is just, you know, God is calling you to do these things, even though it may not be what you had um, expected or what you had planned. So how, how do you follow God's plan even when you might be scared in these moments? 
Oh, uh, that's 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 a good question because um, you know God only ever gives you one step at a time in what He wants you to do, right? He's not gonna He's not gonna lay out the whole plan of your life or or even the whole plan of what His ministry is gonna be for you. He often just gives you this is the next thing I want you to do, and after you've done it, then I'm gonna tell you the next thing that I want you to do. And so, you know, um, uh, there, there was one day I was out I was out walking my dog. And our, our house backs up to the Patapsco State Park, a, a forest. And so we can walk right out and we're out in nature and the creek and a river and everything. It's beautiful. And so I'm, I'm walking my dog and I'm just kind of, you know, sometimes you just got to get out in nature, right? You got to get away from, um, from, from, from listening to music and, and all. You just got to just be quiet in nature, right? And, and, and I think that's, that's one area where God speaks to you. And, and, and it's like, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking and everything. And all of a sudden, it was almost like the voice of God. He says to me, I want you to call up Paul Adams, ask him what he wants, and do it. And so for our listeners, like Paul Adams is like a friend of all of ours who's been really influential for all of us. And and I actually stopped and said out loud, I was like, God, you've got to be kidding me. Because I'm because th- like Paul Adams is a he's he's a street preacher, right? He he goes out and he just just goes into malls or side of the road and and, uh, and I can remember as a teenager going with him once to Columbia Mall, it was like the most uncomfortable night of my entire life because um, I was so un- I was so out of my comfort zone. Um, so this idea that I'm supposed to like contact this missionary, and, and I love Paul Adams. Like we've supported him for years and years. Um, but I'm thinking to myself, oh man, he's going to ask me for like a new van or something. I'm going to have to empty out my savings account or... I'm gonna have to like fundraise some. I don't want to do that, and um, but it's but God told me to do it. So so I went home and I told Beth about it. I even told our our small group about it, and then I didn't do anything. Like I, I didn't call Paul Adams. I didn't um, I didn't ask him what he wanted. Like weeks go by, months go by, and and you know how like when God tells you to do something, like He pokes at you about that. And so like I'll be I'll be praying about something, or think about something, and that that keeps coming back in. He's like, you know, you didn't call Paul Adams yet. I'm like, oh, I don't want to call Paul Adams. So like a, a lot of time went by. Like I'm embarrassed how much time went by, and um, all of a sudden, so my so like. You know, like like all of us, we did we did a, a battalion, which is like like teenagers, and then below that is stockade, which is kind of like elementary school. So my son was in stockade, and they do this uh, like Pinewood Derby kind of car contest race thing, and and so his car was super fast. You got to go off to regionals down in Virginia, and so we go down there, and who walks in but Paul Adams, and I'm like, oh no. Now, like I have to talk to him because God keeps poking me about this and he's standing right in front of me. So I go over and I'm like, uh, so uh, what are you up to these days? What are you working on? And he tells me this, all this awesome stuff that God's doing and that he's helping this guy in, I don't know where it was, Ecuador or Guatemala or something. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll help you with that. And so like I felt like I had kind of done what God wanted me to do like sort of. And so I went back and I talked to people at our church and, and they were basically like, yeah, like in our denomination, like the domination kind of like just takes care of the denomination. We do a lot of missions. They, they basically, they weren't going to like just send some money to him. So I was like, well, I tried. And, um, but that, that really wasn't what God told me to do. 
like this little half-hearted try. So he kept poking at me and like more time goes by. And so I'm getting, it's, I'm starting to get like struggling with, um, you know, a big decision, uh, partly, partly about what to do with, with, uh, come going into full-time ministry. And, um, and, and again, God's like, I'm not going to tell, I'm I'm like, God, give me wisdom. Tell me what to do. And he's like, I'm not telling you anything until you do what I told you to do. So I'm like, all right. So I look Paul up and um, I'm like, Paul, I'd like to come down and talk to you. And he's like, well, well, great. Uh, I've moved. Like Paul used to live 20 minutes from me and now he's moved like two and a half hours away. And I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Now I got to going to drive all the way down to Richmond. Who wants to go there? So I'm like, I saw, I said to Beth and I was like, Beth, we got to go down. Like, like I told me I gotta go talk to Paul Adams. And, and she's like, she's like, we gotta go to Richmond. So we piled in the car and we drove all the way down there and we get there and I had a, I had a wonderful time, wonderful time, like eating and being with him and, and, and Carminia's wife and everything. And, um, and we get kind of get to the end and I'm like, I'm like, Paul, like God told me, and I didn't actually tell Paul that God told me this like several years before, but I, I kind of made it sound like I was like really listening to God's call. It's like, God told me to like, like, like ask you what you needed. And so I, there's like this pause and I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm like, he's going to ask for a van. I know he's going to ask for a van. And he's like, well, the biggest thing I need is I need someone who can like buy some of these tracks that I pass out. And I'm thinking, really? That's it? That's all that you need is someone to like buy some tracks for you? Like that, that's not that, that's not that much. But, and then I realized like it was never about this massive thing that I was going to do. It was about, am I going to listen to what God is telling me to do and go down there and talk to him? And, um, and, 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 and it it wasn't even about that fully because like our time together was like according according to Paul later he was like that was really like uh, encouraging to me and um, and so you know we we every once in a while we'll we'll put in an order of tracks and send it down to him and he's encouraged by it and he's preaching the word and and I, I listened to to what God told me to do and um. And and so then that opened the door for God to tell me the next thing that He wanted me to do um, along the way, and and that, that was getting me just that little bit closer to to, to full time ministry. Okay, so full time ministry. Let's jump into that a little bit. Um, first off, that story with Paul Adams is amazing, and Paul Adams is one of the people that we're actually looking to get an interview with in the future, hopefully, because he's such an such an awesome guy. So I love bringing up Paul Adams and everything. Um, and this is kind of crazy because you're bringing this story up and this is really recent because Paul, they didn't move to Richmond too long ago. Was it a couple years or whatever? Uh, so this is really cool. This is a recent like thing that's going on in your life. And uh, but full-time ministry. So you said that opened the door for the next thing um, that kind of pushed you even further into full-time ministry. And obviously now you're the director of Camp Hemlock, which is such a big thing and Camp Hemlock such a big outreach. Um, but is there like, is there more to the story with full-time ministry that you're doing? Like, how does that look? Yeah. So, so the, the, the next, next, next like poll that God had on me is that, um, we were, this was like two years ago in battalion. We did one of these, like go down to silver spring 
I think I think you guys were probably with us. It was like the first time we did this. We went on a Thursday night, and we just kind of like walked around and passed out tracks and stuff. And and so I I went on that, and this was like way out of my comfort zone. Everything, and you know, with with Jeremy and all these guys, and he's like running around passing stuff out to everybody, and I'm like holding back. And I probably only passed out like two tracks, and um, and 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 I felt kind of like kind of felt bad about that afterwards, you know, because um. Like that, that verse about like, uh, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. That verse terrifies me. And, and I knew that I was living in fear. Um, and that that's not where I wanted to live, you know, like, uh, um, uh, what's, what's the verse, uh, God hasn't given you a spirit of, of timidity, but of a spirit of power of love and of self-discipline from second Timothy. Right. And, and that's not what I did. So, so I went home and, and, and then like, I was like, you know, you need, and I, but I still had like the, the rest of the tracks in my hand. And he was like, you need to go pass those out. So, so, um, but of course I didn't, right. That's what God told me to do next, but I didn't do it. And, uh, and so I get, I get asked to be the, the director at, at Camp Hemlock. And, and I was like, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I'd rather just, you know, I, I love my summers as a teacher. Like I lay around, I take naps, I watch Netflix, I go on vacations, Back then, I was doing a lot of triathlon, bike riding, and running. Like I loved my, my lazy summers. I didn't, I didn't want to, didn't want to do what God had called me to do. But, um, but I was like, well, let me keep praying about it and everything. And and I'm asking for wisdom. And and again, God's like, I'm not going to tell you anything until you do what I told you to do. Go pass those tracks out. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be the worst night of my life. I go over to the Columbia Mall with this stack of tracks. And there were actually only 17 of them because I counted them very carefully to make sure that there was only 17. And um, I go walking around the mall. And I, it was like it was like that story in First Kings of Elijah and the widow's oil, right? The widow's oil doesn't run out. Like it didn't matter how many tracks I passed out. It was not getting smaller in my pocket. I'm just walking around and passing this person out. And it was, it was like, it was, it was very, it was very uh, outside my comfort zone. So I go up to this one guy in the food court and I hand it to him. And he's like, is this one of these Christian things? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, come here, sit down. And, he's, and then he tells me how he's been passing out tracks for like 20 years. And like, you know, he's like encouraging me in this. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about this. And he's like, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. And every time I go out, I'm, I'm nervous and terrified, but that's okay. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And I was like, yeah, all right. So like this whole thing, it wasn't really about passing out tracks. It was, again, it's just about obeying God and, and overcoming fear. So like, so like, like, I, like I did that. And then, and now like I go to God and I'm like, what do you want me to do? And, and, uh, he, he pretty much told me, you know, I didn't get like, get like the voice of God on, I want you to go into ministry, but it was like following each of those steps was like leading me to this. And then it seemed like every sermon I listened to was like the Holy Spirit would, would find something in that that's, that's saying to me, yep, you need to go into ministry. And then like the podcasts I'm listening to and the books I'm reading and the, you know, getting affirmations from people that I needed to, 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 to lead, to, to not waste my life. Right. I mean, like I think about it now that I, that I've done this for two years, like my, my life of no God, I don't want to go into ministry because I want to watch Netflix all summer and take naps. Like God gives us one life. And my desire was to watch Netflix and take naps. Like it's ludicrous that I think about it now, but at the time it made a lot of sense to me, uh, foolishly. 
uh, and so so God has brought me in, into ministry. And so this is my second year doing it. Last year, um, last year was great. It was so hard, but it was wonderful. And then this year we had you know we had COVID hit, um, so we didn't actually have campers. But uh, but we've been doing a lot of like uh, volunteer work days and ministering to people in in different ways. You know, it's it's really funny that you bring up that night in Silver Spring because I just kind of want to give a little bit of backstory on that because I know I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. And so a few weeks before that. So, OK, I'll let me rewind a little bit. So the way battalion works is um, throughout the year, you do these different seven week or three week activities. Um, and so somebody had asked me to help them with their seven week activity. And so I said, yeah, I'll help them or I'll help you out with that. Um, just tell me what you want to do. And then probably a week or two later, um, you and Mark boss, you guys came up to me and you said, Hey, um, you know, we know that you, you've been doing, you know, ministry for a while and you do mission possible and do evangelism and we were wondering if you would like to lead a seven week of evangelism. And so I was kind of, you know, stuck like, oh, well, now I have that opportunity. Um, but I also told this guy that, you know, I was going to I was going to help him out. And so I had planned on still helping this guy out. And a week or two later, um, he came up to me and he said, you know what? Um, I don't think I really need your help with this anymore. So, um, yeah, you can go and do, you know, whatever you want for these seven weeks. And so I'm like, oh, well, now I have that opportunity to go and lead that, that seven week of evangelism. And so throughout those seven weeks, I was able to, um, you know, teach people a little, a little bit of evangelism. And I, <laughs> I look back and I was probably the worst teacher to ever lead a seven week. Like I just, my mind was going crazy throughout those weeks. But at the end of those seven weeks is when we did that, um, silver spring outing and shared the gospel with people. And so really it comes back to you and Mark boss coming up to me and asking me to lead that. <laughs> so I just thought that was a little bit of a funny story there. No, and and you did a you did a great job at that. Like I sat there, and you know every everyone else is like just sitting there listening to you. And I I was like scribbling down notes, like everything you said. And I, I think Jonathan was with us on that one also. And uh, like you guys had some great stuff of like when they say this, and you respond with this, and you know Jonathan's got his great uh, was it pooping a cake? Isn't that the thing yes, you always talk about? Pooping the cake. Um, yeah, so that was great. And then we went out, and that was actually so that's the year after. We did this two years in a row. Like yours was the second time we went out. And so by the time we got to yours, you know, I had, I'd gone out the year before I'd gone to the mall. Um, and, and these things that were so terrifying for me, by the time we went back again, after Max led that, um, that like how to, how to do it kind of thing. That time I'm walking around and I got one of the, I actually have my nephew with me, um, who was in battalion and we're walking around. And now what used to terrify me was no big deal. And, and I think that's so much of what, you know, is involved in, in the Christian faith that, um, you know, the things that, that we work ourselves up as being like, this is going to be such a big deal to me. I can't, I, I can't believe God's calling me to do it. And then you take these small steps along the way that God's taking you through. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a spot looking back and you're like, I can't believe that was a big deal for me. 
uh, because now I'm just, you know, passing out tracks like, like it's, it's no big deal. Um, you know, like, like we want to have control in our lives, but it's an illusion. And when we, when we release control, we're releasing an illusion and letting God be in control instead. Yeah. And like Max was saying, the, the fear that comes with preaching the gospel for the first time or sharing the gospel with somebody for the first time is definitely something that, that all three of us can relate to. Because when you go on a mission trip and your entire goal on the mission trip is to share the gospel, um, then at the, at, at the beginning, you're like, it's similar to what you were saying with the motorcycle earlier. Like, I've never done this. I don't feel qualified to do this. Well, I, I don't, I don't think that I'm capable of going out and sharing the gospel. Like a lot of people sit back and think that that is a certain calling, uh, that God gives to some people and a calling that he doesn't give to other people. But if you look at it in Matthew chapter 28, the great commission, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commanded everybody, all believers to go to every nation, baptizing them in the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And sharing the gospel, sharing the hope that lives within us from Jesus Christ is one of the most important things uh, that we have in the Christian faith. And it's it's a command that Jesus gives to everybody. And that's not going to take the same form in everybody's life. Some people uh, will go out and hand out Bible tracts to share the gospel. Some people will share the gospel with their friends and uh, co-workers at work. Some people will share the gospel in large group settings with you know, 30, 40, 50 people at once. Uh, but in everybody's life, you got to find the way in which God is calling you to share the gospel, the way that the opportunities that God gives you to share the gospel and take advantage of those. Because like you've been saying with your stories, uh, just throughout this episode, all these, these really encouraging stories from your life, uh, God gives us callings at certain times in our life for certain reasons. And he uses those callings to build us up. He uses those callings to grow us in a way that he wants to grow us. And he, he knows ahead of time, uh, how we're going to grow and how we're going to respond to his calling. And he gives us those callings to prepare us for something that's coming in advance. Just like you were saying with Camp Hemlock, how God used these little things along the way to prepare your heart, uh, not only to go into you know part-time ministry, just sharing the gospel here and there to, to warm yourself up to going into the ministry. But then once you actually went into full-time ministry with the camp, God had prepared you along the way. He put all these little things into your life to uh, get you ready for the larger calling that he had prepared for you along the way. So it's it's really encouraging to hear how God had worked has worked in your life over the past because Jonathan, Max, myself, and I know a lot of our listeners are still uh, we're still in our younger years, going to college, going to high school, and we are in that process of working through God's calling, trying to find out what God's calling is and finding those little things that he calls us to do every step of the way, every day, and to apply those into our life to to respond to those callings. That way he can prepare us for whatever bigger thing he has for us later down the road. Yeah, Christian, you're absolutely right. I mean, even before you said Matthew 28, like I was, I was, I was sick in that same thing. Like God calls us to, to go out there and, and to, to share this good news, um, that we have. And, and it looks different in different ways. Like, um, uh, you know, like, like my wife is outstanding at, um, at, at relationship. Um, and so like, you know, becoming friends with someone and getting to know them well, and then being able to share her faith through that. And, um, like that, that's that, like, she's outstanding at, at sharing the gospel in that way. And, you know, there's other people who are, are, are good at, uh, uh, you know, having those debates, those intellectual debates with people. Um, and, and, and that, that's very intimidating to me. Um, 
you know, God, God's prepared me through, uh, particularly through that Madagascar trip, um, with with how to present the gospel in the, you know, the. I always call it just the colors, right? That gold, like heaven is perfect world. And then black, like sin enters the world. And then there's the red color. That's God made a way to heaven through Jesus. And white is, well, you know, we can accept um, uh, Jesus' sacrifice and be blameless in his sight. And then the green color is the, the spiritual growth. And, and, and God used that little time in Madagascar having to learn that. And I apply that when I'm at Camp Hemlock because we have every evening ends with a, a campfire and uh, you know, song skits, and then there's, there's a message. And so I usually give the message on um, you know, gospel presentation night. I'll just come up with you know, some kind of story, but then at the end, it always comes back to a gospel presentation because you know, the, the, the story of, of God coming in and rescuing, redeeming the world, like that's, that's a powerful theme that fits in almost every story. And, um, and, and we've had, uh, you know, Great, great success, really, with being able to um, be the reapers, uh, the spiritual reapers uh, of the seeds that other people have sown in, in the home and in the church. And um, you know, every year we have uh, a bunch of kids who accept Jesus for the first time or or uh, rededicate their lives to Jesus. We had you know a whole mess of teenagers last year who you know stood up in front of the other teenagers, which is you know that's. That's no small thing for teenagers to stand up in front of each other um, and come forward and say they want to be all in for God. And and none of that would have happened if God hadn't taken me on these little journeys along the way. Like I wouldn't have just shown up as a 45-year-old at camp and had the success if, if I hadn't had those moments where God plucked me and said, I want you to do this specific task. I want you to go to Madagascar for 10 days. And that 10 days is going to be so impactful for the rest of your life. Even if you are afraid of going there, and even if you are insecure about raising money, because um, I, I, I got a big plan for you later on from this. It's funny we've been we've been talking about Camp Hemlock a lot in this podcast, and it kind of got my thinking about uh, all the times and memories that I've had at Camp Hemlock, and something just kind of popped in my brain out of nowhere, and I was just thinking about this. I was uh, thinking to myself, you know of all these stories that kept coming into my head, I was like, well, I like, I'd love to share some of these or whatever on the, on the podcast, but I don't want to just throw in a random story. But this one story, like kind of just, I guess out popped the other ones in my head. And I was on uh, what we call observers. Um, and this one is back in stockade. So this was, this is sort of the trip before battalion. Uh, you're in your last year of stockade and you do this, um, or this might be the first year you're in battalion. Yeah, you're like 12 years yeah, old yeah, usually. First, yeah, yeah. It's the first year you're, you're in battalion. You do this observer thing. And then they had this week of Camp Hemlock uh, dedicated to or or part of like one at, uh, segment of that week was the observers. And my leader was Scott Jinx, bless his heart, because he had <laughs> quite a handful. And... Well, yeah, he had you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So bless his heart triple times. Um, but we we ended up going, we uh, actually left Camp Hemlock Grounds for a short trip to a cave and we were going to go caving. And while we were in the cave, we were just messing around, spunking around a little bit, checking out the cave. It wasn't a very large cave, but it, it was fun. It was my first experience with, with real caving. Uh, with hard hats and everything and, and everyone trying to be safe and it's just super muddy and everything. 
Um, and we were about to get ready to go, to, to leave and head back out of the cave. And Scott brought the whole group together. And we all sat in this, uh, this little alcove together. So we were all pretty huddled together and everything. And then he said to us, everyone, turn off all your lights, mm-hmm. uh, all your headlamps, all your, all your handheld flashlights, whatever it is. Um, make sure your phones are off and everything. Actually, our phones didn't work anyway. It's not like we had service. So, but, so we, we turn them all off. And I kid you not, I have never been in more pitch blackness in my entire life than in that moment. I mean, you could, I could have poked myself in the eye and not seen my fingers. And at first, this feeling of sort of fear and like, oh my goodness, like, like I can't see anything. This is total blindness. Uh, sort of started to creep in like this, this feeling of fear. But then I was like, oh, but like, obviously we could just turn the lights back on and then I've got all my friends here and I've got a, a leader who knows what he's doing, obviously. So that fear kind of went away. But I was, as I was sitting here we, while we're doing this podcast and this story popped in my head, I was thinking about how this is kind of like what it feels in real life almost. I mean, it can honestly feel like we are blind and we don't know what's next. Like we don't, or maybe we know what's sort of next, but it's it's still like this this fear of we don't know the outcome of this. We we can't see what God is doing. We can't see how He's working, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but at the same time, we should feel comforted, uh, comforted and confident that God has our backs. That He ultimately is working for our good and not for our detriment. Um, and this really reminds me of of Philippians four. Uh, specifically Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, do not, an- do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is just such a confidence booster that, that really we shouldn't be anxious about what's going on in our lives. We shouldn't be anxious about, about God's voice. And throughout this podcast, um, I know we can really learn from, from Mr. Eisentrout especially that when we hear God's call, it's it it's going to be scary at first because it's really probably going to take us outside of our comfort zone, that we're going to have to leave the bubble uh, of comfortableness um, and naps and Netflix to really do what God is, is voicing in us. And But at the same time, we should have confidence that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. So we should really be able to, or in a sense, feel confident that we can lay our lives down before Christ and that he will hold us and keep us afloat. And so, so Mr. Eisentrout in that light, um, what, what advice or encouragement would you give to our listeners, especially that in that moment of fear, what is, what's, what's some good things to focus on or what, what's some good practical things that they can do to, um, sort of push their mind and focus on God so they, they they stop focusing on that fear? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, I think about your cave experience, and um, I don't know how many listeners have ever been deep in a cave, but it's not like it's not like when you go to bed at night and you flip the lights off and it's like pitch black, but then your eyes adjust really quickly. Like when you're deep in the cave, there's no light. Your eyes do not ever adjust. And so there is that, that, that fear in it. And, you know, it reminds me, I've been, um, 
I've been working on uh, memorizing um, John chapter one, and and uh, you know it, it, it talks about the uh, in, in verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And like 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 that's like the perfect picture, your cave picture uh, of of the fear that that that, that we have, because like we don't. We, we don't know what's going on and what we're supposed to do. There's darkness all around us. Um, you know, like we, we have the illusion of control, but when we're honest with ourselves, we know that it's, it's really an illusion and we don't really have control of it. And then God shines this light and, you know, it kind of reminds me of, if you have like, if uh, you've been like a candlelight service at uh, Christmas Eve, right. And they, they light, it's, it's kind of dark in the sanctuary and they light that first candle. And then there's like this little speck here, another little speck there. And it, and it begins to, to lighten up. And, and, uh, and that's what God does for us. Like he provides, he provides that light and it's, and, and, and he does not illuminate the whole cave, right? He doesn't show us everything. But he shows us a little bit. He shows us where we're supposed to to go next, and and we can have peace in, in following after that. And, it, and you're right; it it is scary at first, um, uh, but but when that moment of fear comes, like like uh, uh, like you know, Second Timothy two one and one seven, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self discipline, and um, and there's gonna be scary things in, in following after following after Jesus. Uh, you know, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Like we're guaranteed, we're guaranteed problems as a Christian. Like what, what kind of religion sets that up where, you know, Hey, come join us. It's going to be hard, but that's, that's what the God of the universe decided, uh, was the way that he was going to do things with us. So, um, you know, it's it's for 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 the listener that that's scared in that moment. God's gonna gonna shine that light in, and 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 the world doesn't understand it, right? The, your your friends might under, understand it. At times, you might not understand it, but but you follow that light, right? Because God only tells you one thing at a time, one step at a time, and you and you say yes to that step, and then more is revealed, and then more is revealed, and you don't want to say no, right? We know what happens when you say no, like you get swallowed by a whale, like Jonah did, right? You want to say yes to each of those steps, and 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 know that um, God has God's got great plans for us, right? Uh, one of my most favorite verses I've come across in the last year is Second Chronicles sixteen nine. Um, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. You know, like when you've got a, uh, whether they're, whether they're a young person or a middle-aged person or, or an old person, um, when, when you're fully committed to him and, and, uh, you're, 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 you're chasing after what that next step is, God's going to strengthen you. He's going to strengthen your heart and you're going to do what you thought was scary. And you'll probably look back on it later on and go, I can't believe that was so scary because I'm doing all these other amazing things for God now. Yeah, absolutely. Um. One thing that came to mind as I was thinking about Hemlock and one of the most um, one of the most memorable times for me is one time we went and we had this, you know, um, I don't know what you would call it if it's, you know, kind of like a message, I guess you could say. Um, but at the end of the message, so this guy, he was I'll just give some background. This guy, he was talking about um pornography and his struggle with it um and just talking about how 
that's a struggle for a lot of people. Um, and how what helped him was having, you know, mentors beside you, having people that you can open up to. Um, and so after that, everyone was, you know, put into pairs and you would go off and the two of you would, you know, talk about things that you were struggling with, um, whether it was pornography or whether it was hanging out with the wrong crowds and um, being influenced by the wrong people or different words you would say, different actions you would do. And opening up to people like that is honestly really scary. Um, And yet having people that you can open up to um, and share what you're going through can also be a huge blessing as they can help you through those things. And so you said that mentors, um, having people, having Christians by your side um, was really helpful in your um, Christian walk. And so if you could just give a little bit on why mentors would be, you know, just an important part of the Christian experience um, and having someone to talk to and go through life with. Oh, Max, I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, that that is absolutely huge. Uh, we were not made to walk alone, right? Like we we were we were made for relationship. We're we're made in the image of God. We're made for relationship. Um, you know, you go all the way back to uh, Joshua one nine. Um, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And then the big part for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. Like we were always made to be walking side by side, side by side with God. And then also side by side with our, um, our, our fellow Christians. And, and so when you have an experience where you feel like God is telling you to do something, it is guaranteed that almost as fast as that comes, Satan's coming right along behind you telling, nope, that is not what God said. I mean, that that's like straight from the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, he came right up to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say that? Like, that's what the tempter does to us. And, and can he can so quickly persuade you that it wasn't real, that it didn't matter, that that decision that you made at, the, at church or at a campfire or whatever, that that wasn't real. Go back to the way you were. But if you tell somebody um, about what your decision was. Uh, now it's not just you. Like there's, there's somebody who can come alongside you. You know, every time when we're, when we're at camp and we give like a gospel presentation and I, I so people have prayed, like the, the very first thing I tell those boys next is you've got to tell somebody, uh, this decision that, that you have made. Um, because then they can, they can walk with you and they can encourage you in that. And, you know, whether, whether it's dealing with sin, like, you know, uh, like, like you mentioned pornography or, um, just, just the list of sins that affect us as, as men and as just believers in, 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 in God, uh, is, is long. Um, but when you can have someone who can walk side you and hold you accountable to that, uh, that, that's powerful. And, and, and I love how you said how it was, it was hard to tell somebody about that. Um, because especially, especially if you're in like, like serious Christian circles, everybody's got to put on the act that they've got it all together. And we all know that they do not have it all together, but you feel like you're somehow letting the group down if you have a struggle. Um, 
I think one of the most profound learnings I had in the last couple of years is this idea that everybody is deeply insecure, right? Like we think that's just like, uh, you know, as, as guys, we'll just pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, that's just 13 year old girls that are deeply insecure. But no, we are all deeply insecure. And, uh, and so like I, I learned that and I was like, was that really true? And so I started asking people that I was, I was friends with. And sure enough, even the most like successful seemingly had it all together, they were deeply insecure. So so knowing that everybody is deeply insecure, it's our job to be the courageous ones to break through and say, I got problems. Let me tell you about those problems. Can you walk alongside me? And once you're courageous in that, then they're going to be like, oh, you got problems? Let me tell you about my problems. And uh, and then you can have that great uh, accountability partnership. Uh, I, I can remember my one of, one of my roommates in college, um, you know, just uh, having accountability with him on stuff and, and praying for each other and, and knowing that when you messed up, uh, I got to tell Dan about what I did. And, um, so yeah, you, you got to walk through life with someone else. In this episode, we've talked about so many great like applications, so many different things that we can do to, to push us further in our Christian walk and to just encourage us and, and make it to where we can, you know, follow God more faithfully in our everyday lives. But, uh, before we close it out, uh, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are are young, like I mentioned earlier. They're going into their future, trying to figure out what it is that God has planned for them, trying to figure out where God is calling them to serve. So uh, before we close it out, I just wanted to ask you, Mr. Eisentrout, if you had any any last things to say, any last pieces of advice for young people who are looking for, looking for God's calling in their life, who are trying to figure out uh, where God's calling them to go, um, any advice for how they can how they can listen to God or how they can seek out his will, um, any other advice on how they can try to figure out what it is that God's calling them to do and then, you know, pursue it passionately. Hmm. Uh, that, that's a great question, uh, Christian. Um, I would say, I would say to them, don't waste your life, right? You only get one life and, and, and don't waste it by um, being, being safe all the time. You know, uh, John Eldridge in Wild at Heart, he talks a lot about uh, how sometimes it seems like the chief aim for a Christian man is just to be a really nice guy. And and by that, you know, someone who never takes risks and is always looking for the safe way out. And they never stretch themselves. But when you do that, like you become boring and you become dead long before uh, before you ever actually pass away. Like, like I, I don't know, I was, I, was watching, uh, I was watching Stranger Things. Did you guys watch that? And uh, and what was it Mike? Mike and Nancy's dad um, was like just like the boring dad. Like you could see like his life had died in his, before he got to that. So so for like for the young person, um, you know, God's going to be calling you could be could could easily be calling you to something that is not the safe path. Right, the safe path is to get into a company and start putting that four hundred one k away, and um, you know, just just stay safe. Uh, but like, where is that example in the Bible? Like, where do you see someone in the Bible who took the safe way? You know, you got to be open to God calling you into in, into different directions, and and maybe that's full time ministry. Maybe that's maybe that's just doing something that is just outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, as, as work, working with the youth, working with kids. Um, at one point I got like, God called me into prison ministry. 
uh, again, I'm just sitting in church and God's like, I think you should go into, I want you to go to the prison. I was like, are you kidding me? Why would I like, I'm so far from the, from like the hardened criminal life. Why would I, but, but it was so powerful. Like that's what God wanted me to do. Just take the risk. So to that young person, uh, don't, don't waste your life. Take a risk. Um, the Christian life is an adventure. Adventure requires there to be risk. And out of that risk is where you develop faith and, and following after Jesus because he'll tell you one thing at a time and do that one thing. Yeah, when you say that, that's so great because one of the things that you said that, that really hit home with me was looking at the characters in the Bible that we're introduced to. All the people that we look up to in the Bible, whether it's Jesus or whether it's the Apostle Paul, any of them, they all went out and they were bold for Christ. Like I was just reading Acts chapter three the other day and Jesus had just died and ascended into heaven. So the apostles and the disciples who were following him, they just lost their teacher, their mentor, the person who was training them to be followers of God. And they had just lost him. And then Peter and John were walking uh, through the temple gates and they just saw this, this lame man who couldn't walk. And they came up to him and told him to walk. And then he walked away and they, they just, their teacher had just left them and they were so bold and they, they took that risk to go out and to perform that miracle because Jesus promised them that that once he left, they would be empowered and they would be able to perform the same type of miracles and even greater miracles than Jesus was performing during his time here on earth. So just following these examples of biblical characters that we get to go out and to be bold for Christ. And, and I really like that message that you gave not to waste your life because I find myself getting stuck in that same routine and that same rut where I go and I, you know, go to school and I come home and I, you know, eat dinner and then I, you know, play a game, play some video games and then go to sleep and then wake up and go to school and come home and eat dinner and play video games. Like it's the same thing over and over and over again. And life just seems like we were talking about earlier. It just seems so ordinary, but we as Christians are called to live for God and to, we serve God in the big things and the small things. Um, one of my favorite verses that talks about this is in, in Colossians and it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, um, do it all for the glory of God. And so even this example in the scripture, it's you're eating and you're drinking. Those seem like, you know, everyday things. Think about it. You eat three times a day. You drink more than that. And every time you're doing that, you can find ways to glorify God through it. So these ordinary things that we do in our lives, just looking at them and trying to find ways that we can serve God and glorify him through them is one of the greatest things that we can do. Um, and, and throughout this episode, you've also talked about how God has, has, given you different callings and different um, things for you to do throughout your, your, your life at different times. And sometimes you responded immediately and answered, answered what he was calling you to do. And sometimes uh, it took even, you know, it took days, months, or even years for you to respond to that calling. But, but one of the things that you wanted to emphasize was to listen to those calls. When God gives you a call, don't push it aside and say, Oh, I'll do that later. Or, Oh, I don't really think that's something I'm comfortable with because like you said, most of the time when God calls you to do something, it's something that you are going to be uncomfortable with. But that's how you grow. You grow by going outside of your comfort zone and finding new things, exploring. And when God calls us to do that, there's what better way to grow in our relationship with God than to follow him in obedience and to always do the next thing, to always, always, once we finish something that God has called us to do, to look out and seek for that next thing that God's calling us to do and just seek after it and, and pursue God and the things that he calls us to do with all of our heart and all of our soul. And then as you do this, this entire life uh, where you're seeking after God and the, the ordinary things and in the extraordinary, uh, one of the last things that we talked about was to have a mentor. 
and to have accountability partners, people that can can be with you. Because part of the Christian life is being poured into by those who are older than you and then also pouring into those who are younger than you. Because it's if if you have this passion for Christ inside of you and you live for Christ and you do all these great things, but you don't pass it on to anybody who comes after you, then in in one sense, you have wasted your life because God gave you this passion. God gave you all this, this energy for him, but you just kept it for yourself. You selfishly kept all that passion and energy for yourself and didn't share it with those who are younger than you who are coming up behind you so they can do the same thing. And no matter what age you are, whether you're 16 or whether you're 60, there's always somebody older who can pour into you. And then there's always somebody younger who you can pour into um, within the church and within the body of Christ. And it's so great to see these relationships. I know that that uh, Mr. Eisentrout was talking about the importance of those relationships in his life. And it's been the same in my life where I've had lots of mentors who have poured into me and I'm, I'm getting to that point where I need to start looking for people to pour into uh, myself. But it's just having these relationships, it's really encouraging and it gives you somebody to walk with. It gives you somebody to to go on those adventures with, to adventure for God and to follow his calling and to, to give each other strength and encouragement throughout the entire walk because Satan makes it to where we have temptations and we have moments of discouragement. But when you have godly partners walking beside you, uh, godly men and women who you're in community with, it's it's a real encouragement and it really gives you strength and boldness to go on speaking for Christ and all that you do. And this this has just been a really great episode. I've enjoyed all the things that we talk about. The, the message, don't waste your life, is so important. Like everybody, no matter what age, no matter where you are in your stage of life, uh, everybody needs to hear that because... Some people, you know, they waste the first 60 years of their life, but then once they reach 60, they realize what they've been doing, how they've been wasting their time, and then they're on fire for the Lord and they, they grow that passion. So no matter where you are, uh, wherever you may be, no matter where you are in your age, your, your walk with God, there's still a chance for you to make that decision, to turn your life around, to, to pursue God, to follow Jesus Christ, to accept the salvation that he's offering to us. And it's, it's once you do it, it's a life-changing journey. It's a life-changing experience. It's, it's nothing like anything you've ever experienced before. So uh, as always, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can uh, email us at uh, Christian, Jonathan, or Max at livingvictorypodcast.com. Uh, or you can email our general email at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments or any, any greetings or anything you want to send us, you can also reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at Living Victory Podcast uh, because we want to hear from you guys. We want to be in conversation with you guys, and we want to we want to help encourage you guys in in the Lord and uh, encourage you guys in the gospel. And uh, like I've I said before, uh, one of the ways that we can grow this show is by getting ratings and review ratings and reviews on the the different podcast distributors um, on the internet. So wherever you listen to this podcast, if you could just uh, give us a rating and review, uh, that'll that'll help the algorithm push us up the list so more people can can see us and more people can start listening to the podcast and just hear the the great uh, news of the gospel that we're sharing and uh, hear God's glory that we're trying to propagate because really that's what this entire podcast is about. We're trying to share God's glory with with everybody that we can, as many people as we can, because really we live this life and there's no greater news, nothing greater than to, to give God the glory in everything that we do. So uh, I just want to thank you, Mr. Eisentrout, for coming on this show, for joining us here. Uh, it's been a real encouragement and a great blessing. Thank you so much for having me, uh, and and thank you guys. Like you know, you just said a second ago how you just you're 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 waking up, you're playing video games, you're going to school, 
but uh, but I want to uh, commend you guys that you're you're doing something as well. You got this podcast going. Your uh, people are, around the world get a chance to to hear, it. and I know that this this podcast is just one small bit of what you guys are doing. So um, keep at it. Uh, Satan's going to tell you you're insignificant and you don't matter, but he's a liar. His native language is lies. Don't believe him. God's got a million promises that are better. You guys keep at it. I'm proud of you guys, and and I miss you. I miss you at uh, Battalion on Thursday nights. Hope we can all be together again soon. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. And as always, love each other and shine your light.